I attended a funeral on Monday for a longtime member of Calvary Church. Now, the most important thing that's supposed to happen at a funeral, a Christian funeral, is that uh, there should give a testimony to the amazing grace of Jesus in the life of this person. That was certainly true at the funeral I attended on Monday. But while I was there, I also was pondering and thinking a couple of other things that often happen at funerals. One of which is, is there's often a chance for the family to say thank you uh, to those who blessed the one who is now gone on to heaven. And on Monday, there was thanks uh, offered for Calvary Church and for Beacon Hill, where she spent the final years of her life, uh, to the medical system that did a really good job of taking care of her. And that was great and appropriate. But I also noticed what often happens at a funeral, and actually, usually it's more of the funeral than thanking people who were a blessing to the person, is a good portion of the funeral is dedicated to how this person was a blessing to others to spouse, to kids, to grandkids, to friends, to neighbors, to church. And that was certainly the bulk of what happened is that we speak not so much about all the ways in which the person who has gone on to heaven was blessed by others, but how much they were a blessing in exchange. And that's because a funeral is meant to be a snapshot of a life, a life well-lived. And life is less about what others do for us and more about how we are a blessing to others. And to review a life is to review all of the different ways that we have been allowed to be a blessing to others. This is what Jesus himself taught us when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now sometimes, when we quote this or think about this in our heads, we say it is better to give than to receive. That's true, but what Jesus actually said was, there's more blessings in giving than in receiving. That when we are served by others, that's a blessing, but there are more blessings when we get to serve and give and bless others. Ever since we've been in the book of Genesis and gotten to Genesis 12, we've been talking a lot about blessings. We've been talking about God's blessings to us. And one of the most powerful and important ways in which we have been blessed by God is we've been given the opportunity to be a blessing to others. That if you and I are going to experience the fullness of what it means to live in the blessings of God, we need to understand and do this thing that Jesus is talking about. That the fullness of blessing is found in being a blessing to others. And so this morning we want to think about that together. I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, it's page 12 and 13 in the church Bibles. Genesis 18, 
is a great chapter that breaks down into two parts. This is actually super useful for us today because we want to think about being a blessing to others as a sort of two-step process to having that happen. How can you and I be more of a blessing to those around us? The first half of Genesis 18 really is the first stage in the process of being a blessing to others. And the second half of Genesis 18 is the second stage in the process. And so we're going to look through these together. The first, Genesis 18, verses 1 to 15. How do you and I go about being a blessing to others? The first step in the process is to accept God's blessings to us. So Genesis 18, Abraham is sitting outside his tent in the heat of the day. And he notices as he looks around three what he thinks are men standing nearby. When Abraham sees these three men, he goes running over to them. It's the heat of the day. This is an uncomfortable time to be outside. And he urges them, he begs them, come to my tent, come and wash your feet, come and refresh yourself. These three persons agree to come. Abraham runs into the tent and he finds Sarah and he says, quick, we've got guests. Prepare food for them. And so she bakes some bread and they kill a a lamb and they prepare some meat to eat and they have a great feast. And Abraham rushes the feast in front of these three persons. And he says, please refresh yourself and eat. And while they're eating, Abraham stands there while they're enjoying the meal. And Sarah is kind of behind the door of the tent and she's listening to the conversation. And we pick up the story in verse nine of Genesis 18. These three persons are talking to Abraham. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did laugh. Now it's clear that Sarah is having a hard time accepting the blessings of God. And maybe some of us here this morning are in that situation. Maybe you're having a hard time accepting the fact that God loves you despite the fact that you're a sinner. Maybe you're having a hard time accepting, maybe you're not even loving yourself 
And you're having a difficult time wrapping your mind around the fact that God loves you totally and completely regardless of your flaws and sins and struggles. Maybe you're having a hard time accepting that. Maybe you're having a hard time accepting the fact that God has promised to bless you beyond anything you could ever hope for or imagine. Maybe you're having a hard time wrapping your mind around that. Maybe you're having a hard time wrapping your mind around the fact that when we say our benediction from Genesis 12 that God is fighting for you. Maybe like Sarah, God's made you a promise. And you're having a hard time accepting that this could possibly come true. If that's your situation, then you're with Sarah in the first stage of this process. And we want to understand, how can you and I get to the point of accepting the blessings that God gives to us so that we might be ready to bless others? Well, notice the things that God does for Sarah to move her to a point of accepting the truth that God is going to bless her. And how you and I can accept the truth that God is blessing us. Well, the first thing that God does for Sarah is that he tells her himself. At first glance, it looks like these three people are having a conversation with Abraham. But it's clear by the end they're not there to talk to Abraham. They're there to talk to Sarah that Sarah is in the back listening and these three persons, it turns out, are not three men, this is God and two angels who have come to visit Abraham. They're there not to tell him about this baby. They already told Abraham about the baby in Genesis 17. We don't know if Abraham told his wife or didn't tell his wife. If he told his wife, she's having trouble believing it. If he didn't tell his wife, then she doesn't know about it and she can't believe it. But either way, God himself shows up to have a conversation with her. Now, I love the way the text puts it. As you got a picture, you got three men, well, God and two angels, Abraham, and then the tent's back there, and Sarah's at the tent listening. And they're talking to Abraham, and they're talking about this baby, and then pretty soon they're actually talking about Sarah laughing. And then finally from the tent you hear, I didn't laugh, and God says, yes you did, I heard you. And you realize the conversation is between God and Sarah. And that's because to believe the blessings of God We need to hear them from God himself. You may have come this morning thinking you were going to hear something I had to say or testimonies from people in baptism or nice comments from people who are leading worship. But the truth of the matter is God himself is here this morning. God is speaking through these words, through this music, through the testimonies to say to you, I love you. I want to bless you. You may overhear a conversation that you think you're eavesdropping on, but God is making sure you get to hear because he wants you to know something encouraging that you heard in that conversation. 
Maybe this morning when we say our benediction at the end of the service and you hear the promise of God saying, I will bless you, you will realize that God himself is coming to you and speaking these words to you. I don't know if Sarah would have believed Abraham or not, but her best chance is to hear it directly from God. And so God shows up to tell her. He does that for us too. The second thing God does for Sarah, which is super kind, is he emphasizes the fact that his blessings are for each of us individually. Now you gotta look really closely with me at the text. Verse 12. You have to look at what Sarah says in her heart and then what God says she says when he repeats it. Verse 12. This is exactly what Sarah said. After I am worn out, and then notice the next phrase, and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So Sarah says, I'm old and Abraham's old. But look what God does when he repeats back what she said. Verse 13, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old. What's missing? Any mention of Abraham. Because God is focusing on Sarah and how he is going to bless her. Sometimes we think that we get blessed because we're sort of in the splash zone of somebody God really wants to bless and we happen to be nearby and it comes to us too. But God is wanting Sarah to realize that he has purposed to bless her as an individual. Yes, Abraham will be blessed by having this child, but this is not simply about Abraham. And in fact, at this point, God doesn't want anybody focusing on Abraham. He is focused 100% on Sarah. This is God blessing Sarah. He sees her. He knows her and he loves her. She's not simply in the splash zone that God somehow likes Abraham and Sarah happens to be there. No, God loves you. You don't happen to just be around somebody who's being blessed. God is with you. If you've been praying to find a, a nursing home to put an elderly parent into and you find one near your house that works out great and your parent loves it, that's not just God blessing your parent. That is God blessing you, giving you peace of mind, letting you know that he sees you, that he knows how difficult this is for you. And the kindness of God to Sarah is, yes, he's dealing with Abraham, but right now he has eyes only on her. There's a third thing God does that's super kind to Sarah is he asks her the all-important faith-stretching question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? There's something about that question that when you and I are forced to consider that question, God uses that question to help us develop the faith to accept the blessings of God. 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it really too hard for the creator of the universe to give a 90-year-old woman a baby? No, it's not. Might God have been at work at your job convincing your boss of the work you've been doing and that's why you got the raise? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Might it be that God sees what you've been doing and that God knows you and loves you and he's caused your neighbors to be favorably disposed towards you? Might not be that God is the one who caused that family member's power to go out during the snowstorm so that they had to come to your house while you were engaging in Bible study and a worship service at home so that they got to experience God's presence there with you? Is anything too hard for the Lord? When we ask ourselves that question, God is meaning to develop faith in us to encourage us, look, God is doing amazing things. He is actively at work doing wonderful, powerful, miraculous things at work, in your finances, at home, in school, in your family, all around you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And if he's purposed to bless you, might not all the good things that are all around you be evidence of his power at work for you. And then finally for Sarah, God is kind enough to her to confront her in her unbelief. She laughs at the idea that she could have a baby. And God is kind enough to call her on it. You laughed. She tries to lie. No, I didn't. Yes. Yes, she did laugh. The reason he does this is before we can ask God to help us have faith, we have to admit that sometimes we don't have faith. We have to acknowledge the sin of unbelief so that we can pray the prayer from Mark 9, Lord, help my unbelief. God is there not to rebuke Sarah, but to help her. And in order to do this, he has to bring her to the point of getting to recognize, no, the real issue here is not that I don't want to bless you because I do. The real issue is you don't want to believe that I want to bless you. And so he calls her on it. This is why Jesus in the Gospels is regularly saying, oh, ye of little faith. It's a kindness from Jesus getting us to realize God is blessing us, but we're missing it because we can't see it. And when we come and are cut to the heart and realize, oh no, it's my unbelief, then we can ask God, Lord, help my unbelief. What's really interesting is, is that Sarah ends up naming the child Isaac which means he laughs. Because both Abraham and Sarah, when they first hear this news, laugh. But the really great thing is, by God confronting Sarah on her unbelief, 
she ends up getting a name for her child that will be a blessing. And so God has brought all of this full circle so that she can begin to grasp his love for her. Maybe that's the situation you're in today. God is blessing you. God does love you. Maybe you're having a hard time accepting that. God wants to be as kind to you as he was to Sarah. Maybe you are accepting the blessings of God. Well, you're ready then for stage two in the process, which is being a blessing to others. That's the second half of Genesis 18, and it's where Abraham is at. Now, before you start thinking that Abraham is in stage two because somehow he's godlier or somehow he's a man or somehow he's more spiritual or somehow he's a, he's a great person of faith, please understand that in Genesis 17, when God came to Abraham to tell him he was gonna have a baby, Abraham didn't just laugh inside. He fell down on the ground laughing. I like to picture this in my mind, how awkward this would have been that after Abraham is done laughing on the ground and then he gets up and realizes that God wasn't joking, I feel like that's gotta be just a super awkward moment <laughs> where God is just there waiting and Abraham realized, oh, this isn't a joke. So he's had his own struggles. So the point of Genesis 18 is not that Abraham is sort of better than Sarah. It's just he represents the next stage. He's had to deal with his own unbelief. He's gotten to the point by God's grace of accepting the blessing from God. And now he's ready to be a blessing to others. Some of you here this morning might be in that situation. You're ready. You want to be a blessing to others because you are accepting the fact that God is blessing you. Well, let's look at Abraham's story, verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, and then they have a conversation. Abraham and God have a conversation. Abraham says to God, what if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom? Would you really wipe out an entire city when there are 50 righteous people there? He even says to them, would not the judge of all the earth, wouldn't you do the right thing? And God says, yeah, for 50 people, I won't wipe out all of Sodom. And they go back and forth in the discussion until they finally get down to 10 people. And Abraham's like, surely for 10 people, you wouldn't destroy Sodom, would you? And God's like, well, if we could find 10 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom. Turns out they can't find 10 righteous people, but they do find some. 
And so Abraham becomes the reason why Lot and his daughters get rescued out of Sodom. But if we back back up, the question is, why is God having a conversation with two angels in front of Abraham about what he's going to do to Sodom? It's because he's inviting Abraham to join the conversation. Look, if God just wanted to destroy Sodom, he could have done it from heaven. God desperately doesn't want to destroy Sodom. That's why the last line is, if not, then I will know it. God doesn't want to destroy them. He wants somebody to talk him out of having to do what he's going to have to do. And so he has this conversation in front of Abraham to invite him into the discussion. Why? So that Abraham can be a part of being a blessing to Lot and his daughters. Abraham's the reason why Lot and his daughters are saved. How do you and I go about being a blessing to others? Accept the invitations that God lays in front of us to be a blessing to others. Has God ever woken you up in the middle of the night? Might that be an invitation from God for you to pray for someone, to do exactly what Abraham did? Why is he doing that? He wants you and I to know the blessing of being part of seeing somebody get rescued. If somebody shares with you today a prayer request, would you pray for me? That is an invitation from God for you to be a blessing to somebody else. And if you use your position with God like Abraham used his position with God to beg God to do something, then you get to be a blessing to someone else. God's laid this invitation at Abraham's feet. All he's got to do is jump into the conversation. If God has somebody share with you, would you pray for me about this? It might sound like Christianese. Oh yeah, that's just kind of a way we talk in the church. But it might actually be an invitation from God. Because if you will actually pray for that thing, you will get to be a blessing to that person. And it's far more of a blessing to pray than to be prayed for. If there's a non-Christian in your life, that's probably an invitation from God for you to do for that non-Christian what Abraham did for Lot. Lord, wouldn't you want to save this person? Lord, wouldn't it be more blessed if this person came to faith? Lord, wouldn't there be more joy in heaven? I mean, Abraham is audaciously bold in his arguing with God, and God loves every minute of it. It's an invitation. Come and join me. God himself is fighting for the lost. When he puts a non-Christian in your life, he is inviting you, come be a blessing. There is more joy in heaven over a non-Christian who comes to faith than over 99 who don't need to come to faith. But that joy is not just for heaven, it's for you too. And God says, come join me. It's an invitation. Back up, back to the beginning of Genesis 18. 
Why is Abraham, or well, sorry, why, why is God and these two, these two angels, why are they even walking by Abraham's tent in the first place? It's an invitation for Abraham to show hospitality. They're giving him the opportunity to show hospitality, and by doing it, Abraham gets to see Sarah have an interaction with God and see her grow in her faith. Abraham gets to be blessed by watching Sarah experience God in her life. How does he get there? He accepts the invitation. Here's these three people. They need hospitality. Listen, this morning, there are people sitting around you in the seats near you. They may all be your friends. Some of them might be some new faces, new to you. That could be an invitation from the Lord. You could invite them to lunch. You could sit with them in the gathering place. If you go to Sunday school after that and you sit next to somebody, you may ask yourself, why am I sitting next to this person? This may be something from the Lord and you may strike up a conversation with them after the service or after Sunday school class and share a coffee with them. Now I know you might be thinking, well, what if I invite the person next to me to go to the gathering place and turns out they've been at Calvary Church for like 100 years or something like that. Who did Abraham show hospitality to? God. (laughs) If you're worried that the person you might be inviting knows more than you do or has been here longer than you do, Abraham invited God into his tent. I promise you that the person sitting next to you is not God. And if you take the invitation to invite them in, to sit with them in the gathering place and have a coffee, to walk into the gathering place and look around and go, you know, I usually sit at that table with all my friends, but there's nobody sitting at that table and that God draws your eye to that. It's an invitation from the Lord and you will get to be a blessing to whoever it is you invite in. How do you and I get to the point where we are enjoying the blessings of blessing others? Step one, accept for ourselves the blessings of God. And then step two, accept the invitations from God to be a blessing to others. God is blessing you and God is blessing me so that we might have the joy of sharing those blessings with others. Abraham's got a lot of financial resources. He sees these three people. He thinks they might be in need. Turns out they are far richer than he will ever be. But he invites them in. He shares what he has with them. And he gets the joy of watching them interact with his wife and the blessings that will come from that. Jesus is giving us an extremely important truth. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And God loves you and I so much that he wants us not just to enjoy the blessings of being blessed ourselves, but the fullness of what it means to be blessed, which includes being a blessing to others. So this week, as you're thinking about this sermon, as you're meditating on what you heard, 
I'd like you to do this for me. Wherever you are right now, I'd like you to think in your life, are you Sarah? Wrestling with accepting the blessings of God? Or are you Abraham? Needing God to help you accept the invitations to be a blessing to others. Both Sarah and Abraham. Clearly in God's sight. Clearly loved by God. We're all one or the other at different times in life. Which one are you today? And how might God in his kindness be drawing close to you? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.